With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. We are presented by The Grid. I am Bryson Carver, as always, on this Friday for the last weekend of the NFL season in which we have more than one game. Of course, we got the NFC Championship game first, the AFC Championship game second. I will predict both of those games at the end of today's show. Also talk a little bit about, I, I, I discussed it on this show for about five minutes about the NBA All-Star voting, about uh, the five guys that got voted to be starters in either conference. Congrats to all 10 players. I don't have a massive problem with the voting process and how it works, except for one tiny thing that I think is, is, is more uh ties into today's NBA ties in today's uh basketball world that that could be addressed uh once once the voting uh continues in seasons to come I'll discuss that as well as the Jets hiring Nathaniel Hackett as their new office coordinator I'm hearing a lot of people saying hey this is their way to get Aaron Rodgers when there's one point that people seem to be missing which makes the Hackett hiring all the more curious I'll get into that later in the show uh, as well but Again, get to the Jets in the second segment, but I'll stay in their division. I'll stay in the AFC East, and I'll talk about the New England Patriots. So you guys know I've been I've been somebody who's been very critical of the New England Patriots as an organization, uh, certainly since the departure of Tom Brady in the offseason of 2020. In the three years since, they made the playoffs once in which they got blown up by 30 points against the Buffalo Bills, and they've been pretty darn average, uh, to say the least. They won seven games in 2020, 10 games in 2021, and eight games this year failing to make the playoffs again two out of those three years. And the big story for the Patriots this year is what the heck are they going to do at offensive coordinator? Well, a season ago, Bill Belichick said, hey, how about this? I'm going to bring in a defensive coordinator in Matt Patricia and a special teams coordinator in Joe Judge. Two former ex-coaches, by the way, for the Patriots. I'm going to bring them in. They're going to collaborate, and they're going to call the offense. What? What? Who? Wait a minute. The, the defensive coordinator, who wasn't even a good defensive coordinator, is going to call plays, and he's going to be assisted by the guy who got hired or fired after only two years as the head coach of the New York Giants. And the second he left and the second Brian Dable stepped in, they went from terrible to playoffs and a playoff win, mind you. So 
all season long, we lamented about how bad the Patriots offense was, how poorly it was called, how bad Mac Jones was. There was a stretch in there where I was like, hey, I mean, Bailey Zappi looked better than Mac Jones did all season long, save for a Thanksgiving Day game against one of the worst pass defenses of the league in Minnesota. But, hey, they'll hire a new offensive coordinator. It's not going to be Patricia two years in a row. Let's see what happens. And Bill Belichick goes with... Let's, let's get the drum roll effect in here. Hold on. Bill Belichick goes with... Bill O'Brien, who formerly worked as the Patriots' offensive coordinator for three years before getting hired by the Houston Texans to be their new head coach. Of course, he was fired by the Texans in the middle of the 2020 season and was hired to be Alabama's offensive coordinator in 2021 and last season. And now he's being brought back to New England. So what this signifies to me is a few things. And I'm about to get in this article by the Boston Globe, which is, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Boston Herald, which is uh, scathing of the Patriots, in particular Bill Belichick. But Belichick has gotten into this thing about, over the last few years, hiring former Patriots coaches. And it's gotten to a point where it's like, okay, Belichick now has virtually all the power. Outside Now that Brady is gone, Belichick is the unquestioned man. right? And we asked that question when Brady went to Tampa Bay. Oh, who deserves more credit? And that question was answered on February 7th, 2021, when Tom Brady led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a Super Bowl in his first season there. Not to mention he should have been the MVP last year before he had a down year this season. Belichick hasn't even been close to the divisional round, much less the Super Bowl. And he brings in Bill O'Brien, and everybody's pointing out, well, the Patriots were third in offense when Bill O'Brien was there. I mean, it can't be all that hard to coach an offense that has the greatest quarterback ever and arguably the greatest tight end ever, Rob Gronkowski. It, it can't be too hard. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's not impossible. But you're teaming them up with two of the best to ever do it in their primes. Not to mention the Patriots at that time had some, de not great, but okay receivers. Like Julian Edelman, people are arguing whether or not Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame in part because of his great postseason performances. Wes Welker was there, right? They had uh, uh, Ocho Cinco was there for a season. Like they've, they've had some solid guys. So now Bill O'Brien comes back to an offense with Mac Jones and Jacoby Myers. Oh, have times have changed. In the last decade. But what's really interesting to me is the power dynamic in New England and how we didn't realize. I Listen, as inaccurate as I was on my prediction of Broncos, Rams, and the Super Bowl when both teams ended up winning five games each, I was accurate in a whole lot of things. I said Minnesota would, would win the division going away, although I was wrong about them winning a playoff game, obviously, the loss of the Giants. I said that uh, the Patriots would be an utter disaster this year, offensively, that was the case. And now you're starting to see some things come out. So this is from uh, the Boston Herald about the dysfunction in the Patriots organization. Here's one quote. I've never seen anything like it. It was disheveled. They were always scrambling to get things done. Well, that's not good. How about this one? A lot of guys were worried about uh, going into camp because we were wondering about the, what the plan was for our offense because we hadn't put enough install in. We had a couple of protections, a couple of core run plays, but our pass game didn't have much in it. In camp, 
Uh, <laughs> you kind of need to get something going, you know, a month before the season starts. The offseason is long gone. Free agency draft, forget about it. Now it's about evaluating the talent you have. Yes, figuring out who's going to make the team, who you're going to put in the practice squad, who you're going to cut. But most importantly, get a real system in, especially when you're talking about a new offensive staff, which the Patriots had last season and which they'll have again this season, might want to already have that in place to begin with. It shows how unprepared that they were for this. Here's something else. Here's another quote. Uh, this is about Mac Jones talking about uh, Matt Patricia uh, and Joe Judge, by the way. Matt, quote, Mac didn't like him at all. Judge would speak extremely loud in meetings, trying to project like he was the guy. I think that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. A lot of people were frustrated with Joe Judge. And then the final quote, <laughs> sometimes I would wonder, like, are we trying to screw this up on purpose? These are the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots we're talking about. Again, just four years ago, we viewed them as the gold standard of the NFL, not just in the present day, but all time. They were always prepared. Brady always played big in the biggest games. The defense always came up huge. The offensive line was always good. The special teams came through when they needed to throughout the 20-year duration of the dynasty. And you find out Tom Brady's the most valuable. We talk about most valuable player in the league. Tom Brady's the most valuable player of all time. I mean, it's unbelievable. The second he steps out of New England, three years later, there are people within the organization questioning if the Patriots are tanking. With Bill Belichick, a head coach, the guy who everybody's tried to lecture me is the greatest coach ever. To which I've always responded, I think he's an all-time great defensive coach. The notion about him being the greatest ever, I think, is absolute ludicrous for numerous reasons that I don't have time to get into today. But this is unbelievable. Now you bring in Joe Judge, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Brian, uh, Bill O'Brien, who's obviously far more qualified to coach offense than a Joe Judge or than a Matt Patricia. But it's the same philosophy. It's the same mindset. Bring in another one of Belichick's buddies back to New England and we'll see what happens. But it's, it's, I'm not a Mac Jones fan. I was high, have been highly critical of him over the last two seasons. I think his limitations as a quarterback are obvious. And what we found out last year was his limitations as a leader seem to really stick out there. But I, I can listen. And I said this going into the year. I'm like, I kind of feel bad for him a little bit because as limited as he is, it's the limited guys that need the most coaching. And he got none of it. So I'll defend Mac in that regard. And I knew it was going to be a disaster, and it was. I, I don't see it being a whole lot better under Bill O'Brien. We can talk about all the points they scored and this and that, all the yards. Yeah, well, now you have Mac Jones at quarterback, not Brady. That's going to be a real question mark going into the season for the Patriots. And going into training camp, which, you know, we're in January. We're not even done with this season. Let's enjoy it while it's here. But six months from now, when we're sitting here, when training camp is starting, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where New England is at in terms of whether they've got an offensive system in place. Depending on what people in the building are saying about not just Mac Jones, but the offensive staff. And most importantly, Bill Belichick. So when I saw this hiring, I was like, okay, Bill O'Brien? After all the chaos this season, you go, 
and, and some may say, well, he, they at least they went with an offensive coach. Yeah, they went with one of the worst offensive coaches. He's not the worst. Jets hired that guy. I'll get to them in just a second. But this one is is curious at best. I I, I don't get it. I don't get it. He he, he he struggled in Houston. He was at Alabama, but good Lord, give, give a guy nothing but five stars. Again, you give him Bryce Young and all those weapons at wide receiver and that offensive line, I'd hope you can't screw it up. This is a very interesting call by, by the Patriots and by uh, Bill Belichick. This, uh, man, Patriots fans miss Tom Brady. I'll tell you that much. And honestly, I'm not even kidding right now. I would not be shocked in the slightest that this, uh, this ends up being Bill Belichick's final season in New England. I think when you talk about the lack of just preparation, discipline, functionality, really, of the Patriots franchise ever since the GOAT left three years ago, it's it's unrecognizable. The same guys at the top. And Bob Kraft, obviously, he's 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 had his fun. He's gotten his Super Bowls. But, you know... He, he understands it's a little bit like Jerry Jones, right? You know, Bob Kraft's getting up there in age. He wants to win at least one more Super Bowl. This, this, are, are we, when Bill O'Brien got hired, we're like, okay, the Patriots are closer today than they were yesterday to possibly making a Super Bowl run in the future. Because I'm not. There's nothing about this hire that I like. It feels, it, it feels a little bit, not nepotism, although Belichick's been uh, guilty of that, hiring his sons to the staff where you got Steve Belichick, who's more known for his facial expressions on the sideline for becoming a freaking meme than he is for being a coach. It's it's a disaster. It's, man, it's bad in Foxborough. Uh, it's not quite as bad as the team, uh, as, you know, New England, the team I'm about to talk about right now. I just have questions for the New York Jets. So, coming into this past season, we didn't expect much of the Jets. They're coming a four-win year. I'm not a Zach Wilson fan the way that others are or were at the time. I don't think anybody's a Zach Wilson fan at this point. Um, I liked their defense, didn't like anything whatsoever about their offense, and I did like the hiring of Robert Sala a couple years back when they brought him in for the San Francisco 49ers, but I'm like, okay, year one, I didn't really see a whole lot. But let's see what happens in year two. I certainly did not have low, uh, high expectations for the Jets. And they won seven games, and you know they closed the year on a four-game losing streak. But they were in the playoff fix up until the second to last week, so they were they were in it right up until the bitter end, uh, despite using four quarterbacks this year. And that that was really the only question mark we had about the Jets. Robert Sala did a good job. The defense was phenomenal. The weapons, most notably Garrett Wilson, looked great. Garrett Wilson's a, a finalist for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Priest Hall was good before he got injured. The offensive line, though, it, it, there's a couple of holes in it. You, you can patch those in the offseason. You got plenty of cap space. You got the draft. It's quarterback that's the, the question mark, and that's going to be the biggest point of topic, or point of discussion, rather, for the Jets going into the offseason. Do they go get Derek Carr? Do they possibly draft a quarterback? Lamar Jackson will be on the market, possibly. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is available for, for a trade for the with the Green Bay Packers. But I'm sitting back and looking at this, so they fire Mike LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, obviously Matt LaFleur's brother, who, by the way, just got the job to be the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm like, okay, so they're going to go with a more innovative mind than Mike LaFleur was. Again, I'm not a big Matt LaFleur fan, so I can't assume that the apple falls far from the tree. 
And I look at my phone yesterday afternoon, and I see from Adam Schefter, Jets have hired former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Okay. Um, listen, I've been as critical of any as anybody of Russell Wilson this season. I, if you, you guys know, I was a huge Russell fan going into the season. So much so that I foolishly made the worst prediction in the history of carving it up, and that was picking the Denver Broncos to get to the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl. And that obviously did not happen whatsoever. But <laughs> when you look at Russell Wilson, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and they made a good point. I'm like, okay, I, I, you, there's some merit to this. If you look at Russell Wilson, after he was, uh, after uh, the, 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 the Broncos uh, moved on from Nathaniel Hackett, he looked pretty good. Okay. They played two games against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. Against the Chiefs, Russell threw for 222, a touchdown, a pick, QBR right in the middle, but a pass rating of 81. Okay, that's that's better than most of his performance performances were. And against the Chargers, he looks like Russell Wilson. 283 yards, three touchdowns, QBR of 58, pass rating of 118. We're like, okay. By the way, that was against the Chargers starters because obviously we know that they foolishly played all of their guys because uh, Brandon Staley, I'm not sure what was going through his head that particular afternoon in the Mile High City. Maybe he was a mile high. I don't know. But that's that's what happened. So Broncos are looking for a new head coach. We'll see if they bring in a Sean Payton, who is reportedly very interested. I don't know if I'd take the job if I were Sean Payton. I at least consider maybe taking a year off or another year off, wait for the opportunities to come in. But we'll see what he does. But for the Jets to bring in Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who didn't call plays in Green Bay, that was Matt LaFleur's duties and responsibilities. He did call plays, at least for the time being, in Denver. And two games in, the dude couldn't function the clock. It was so bad that the fans were literally calling from the stands. The play clock was running down. 10, 9. Having to help the head coach. And so after the first two games... Nathaniel Hackett hired a uh, was a clock management or game management management guy, and we're like, okay, this dude just hit over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. Obviously, we all remember the Monday night game against Seattle. Russell Wilson's return to his old team, uh, despite instead of going for it on fourth and five, you kick like a sixty-four yard field goal, of which has never been out made outdoors outside of Denver. Okay, you think about the fact that before that, you had a minute left on the clock and multiple timeouts to spare, and you let 30 seconds run off the clock for no reason in particular. This is who's going to be calling plays now for the Jets. It's not going to be Robert Sala. He's a defensive coach. Okay, so offensive coordinator for the Jets is a huge responsibility. But a lot of people out there may be saying, well, Bryce, yeah, it's not, you know, people don't love it. I understand that, but he's got a relationship with Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay. Reportedly, we found this out last year when Hackett got the Denver job. They're pretty tight. Him and Aaron Rodgers, they're, hey, they're, they're two pieces of pod, man. They're, they're, they, they love each other. Maybe this is the way to bring Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. Well, here's the only problem with that. And by the way, I'm not discounting the fact that Aaron could end up as a Jet. Aaron's not a free agent. He doesn't get to choose where he goes. Now, to my knowledge, he has a no-trade clause, so the... The Jets could, uh, you know, if they offer to trade for Aaron, if the Packers accept, Aaron also has to accept. If he does, he's a Jet. 
And I assume he'll he, he, he'd be fine with going there. Right, it's a big market, much bigger than Green Bay was, although I think Green Bay kind of likes being able to sort of disappear in Green Bay and in the offseason go to Malibu, wherever he lives in the offseason. But be that as it may, we found out about a, a couple of weeks after, about a couple of months after the Broncos hired Hackett, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers just like Hackett, not because he called plays or anything, but they used to throw darts in the quarterback room. So he just got hired because he was a buddy of Aaron, which, by the way, speaks to the hiring practices in the NFL that much more, but that's that's another conversation for another day. But if this is their recruiting pitch, okay. Aaron is not the ultimate decision maker as to where he goes. That's the Packers. Now, Aaron can can get the the yay or nay on one of the Packers if the Packers come to agreement with somebody. Like, you know, if they want to trade with the Houston Texans and Aaron doesn't want to go to Houston because they're terrible, he can say no, and they can't make the trade. That's how it's going to work. He still could end up a Jet. But if this is their recruiting pitch, not the route I would have went. I'll just put it that way. And by the way, you can't recruit, okay? Because Aaron is still a Packer today. I I, I don't understand this. This is one, I'm not going to lie to y'all, that's, Really, I'm I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to to decipher what the Jets are trying to do here. I don't get it. And if they don't end up with Aaron, they end up with a Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr doesn't have a relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, and Derek Carr just had to have Josh McDaniels call plays for him. And that goes from McDaniels to to Hackett. Man, this dude could catch a break. If if I'm Derek Carr today, that's that's a huge red flag. I'm not touching with the Jets with a ten foot pole. This feels as if the Jets are saying, we're going all in for Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, need I mention, not sure he's even that committed to football at this stage of his career. I mean, he's talking more about his, his life's purpose than, you know, whether or not they're going to beat the, the Detroit Lions next week. Uh, that's, you know, that's that's how, that's seemingly how it's, uh, what's going through his head. That's his decision, but, you know, I, I know Larry Fitzgerald talked about a couple of years ago, I remember this quote well, he said, the second you start talking about retirement or thinking about retirement, you're already retired. I mean, when, when have we heard, before Tom Brady's retirement last year, when did we ever hear him talk about retirement? We've heard it from Aaron for like three, four years now. So, and I get the Jets are desperate. I understand that. And they're like, hey, we've got the young roster. We think we have the coach. We're not sure. We like him. We don't love him. Let's bring in the quarterback to find out. And there's no question Aaron Rodgers, no question Aaron Rodgers would be a bigger upgrade over Zach Wilson or Mike White or, or whoever they got there. Joe Flacco, certain. But I just don't get, the if this is their method to, to draw him in, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Because again, remember, Hackett didn't call plays for Aaron. Matt LaFleur did. So, and the Matt LaFleur's an offensive coach. You know, Robert Sala's a defensive coach. So, I, I'm just... I'm just saying, this is a very, very interesting uh, dynamic here that's very confusing. I'm, 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 honestly, I'm really just trying to... I want to defend I, I want to defend the Jets. I want the Jets to be good just like everybody else. But, I mean, I've got a couple buddies of mine who are Jets fans. Shout out to John Rivera, Fan Perspective Podcast, Alpha Parsar Jr. here on the Grid Network, uh, who is a uh, Jets fan as well, who has a Jets podcast, Rocket Fuel Podcast. Please go check that out. He's got some great uh, videos uh, that he's made over the past couple of uh, days, past couple of weeks. So check that stuff out. But I don't get it. Like, it's 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 truly baffling to me. But, hey, it's the Jets. I guess we're, we can't be all that surprised. So uh, something else, too, though. 
And it, well, of course, I'll get into the All Star game in just a second. NBA All Star game. But I just I did want to say I'm repping my Tennessee Volunteers today, as you can see on the stream. Uh, they are playing Texas. It's the battle of UTs. It's the battle of well, it's the battle of the two best oranges. No disrespect to Clemson, to Syracuse, to Oklahoma State, to Oregon State, or anybody that wears orange in college sports. Y'all ain't Texas. Y'all dang sure ain't Tennessee. Texas, Tennessee, Big 12 SEC Challenge tomorrow in Knoxville at Thompson Bowling Arena. This could be a good one. Uh, Rick Barnes, the head coach of my Vols, is going to be matching up against his uh, former team. Last year, Texas won in a close game, if I remember correctly, in Austin. But this time, they got to come to our house. And uh, just, just letting you Longhorn fans know out there, we've lost one game at home in the last year and a half. Just saying. When you come to Thompson Bowling, there's a whole different monster. So you know I'm rolling with my balls. My number four ranked balls, number four in the country, Joe Lenardi currently has us as a one seed today due to our highly impressive record and resume for that matter. Uh, but Oh, and Vegas loves Tennessee, by the way. Tennessee's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. For those that are interested, the game tips off at 6 Eastern on ESPN, so like twenty, basically 24 hours. So, yeah, definitely be sure to check that out. 10th-ranked Texas versus 4th-ranked Tennessee. Tennessee will win. We'll continue to move up the rankings, baby. Let's do what we do. Uh, I did want to talk, speaking of basketball, shifting to the NBA, I did want to talk about the NBA All-Star game. And, listen, we live in a society, not just with sports, with, I mean, literally anything. If someone drops a water, there's outrage. We live in a society that loves to be outraged over every single, I mean, the tiniest of things. Now, there are things in life that happen that are more than worthy of being outraged over. No question. Uh, and I'm hearing a lot of people complain about how the NBA all-star voting process works. And the most notable of that is the fans have too much of a voice in the all-star voting. The fans uh, vote for the all-star game. They make up a certain percentage. The media votes, and to my knowledge, I think the players vote for the All-Star game, for the All-Star starters and certain uh, in, in, in total, the participants. I don't have an issue with the fans voting. I don't know if their vote should count for as high of a percentage as it does, but that's not my issue. Like If, if the NBA doesn't lower the, the percentage of, uh, of, of how much of a say that the fans have in, in determining whether these guys are All-Stars or not, I can still sleep at night. But my biggest issue with the all-star voting is this. In today's game, and we can thank Steph Curry for this, the greatest player in the world, the greatest shooter ever. In today's NBA, where it's positionless basketball, where everybody can shoot, everybody can handle the ball for the most part, most people play are, are are capable, at least, of playing good defense. And more teams than not nowadays go small late in games. They, they're like, get the big guy off the floor. We don't need him. We don't want him on the court. Obviously, save for a few. The, the Nuggets, obviously, and the Sixers, uh, the Kings. But I'm thinking about this. If today is, if, if it's positionless basketball in today's NBA, why do we still have the leading vote getter for the point guard, the shooting guard, the small forward, the power forward, and the center? I say this because as I read the All-Stars live on yesterday's show, it came in 
toward the end of the show. So I checked in on Twitter, saw the starters were. And the first thing, Western Conference, I don't really have an issue with. It's the Eastern Conference that stood out to me. So I was looking down. I was like, okay, it's Kevin Durant. It's Kyrie Irving. It's Jason Tatum. It's Giannis. It's Donovan Mitchell. And then I thought, it's like the light bulb went in my head. Like, where's Joel Embiid? You, well, you, you mean to tell me a man averaging 33 points and 10 rebounds does not get to be a starter in the All-Star game? Shooting over 50% for the field, by the way. My biggest issue with the All-Star game is how we are still so married to the position, uh, to, to the position-by-position position basketball. That's my problem. And it's almost as if the All-Star game or or whoever decides the criteria, the NBA and whatnot, they listed Giannis as a center. Anybody who watches basketball for more than five minutes can, can tell Giannis does not play like a center. Does he have his back to the basket occasionally? Sure. Does he, does he keep shooting threes to a minimum? Yes. But he handles the ball. He's more of a slasher. He, he can cut. He's a great, I mean, great passer. I've, I've always said that on my show. Giannis is one of the most underrated passers in the NBA. There's nothing about his game that's like, okay, yeah, that's a center. Why? Because he's 6'11"? KD's 6'11". Does anybody in the world think KD's a center? I, I don't understand this. They have Giannis listed as a center, and now you look at it and you're saying, okay, arguably the two biggest MVP candidates are the two best centers in the league, that being Embiid and Jokic. Well, Jokic is the all an all-star star in the West. Well-deserved. No question about that. But Joel Embiid isn't even an all-star starter. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I'm fine with keeping it West East. And then obviously we do the All Star draft Team LeBron versus Team Giannis this year. They'll, they'll draft the day before the All Star game. But I'm confused. I, I'm as confused as y'all are about we're still so. Uh, I mean, this isn't the NFL where it's quarterbacks or quarterbacks. Quarterbacks don't play wide receiver. Offensive linemen don't play running back. They'll, they'll, you know, teams will put a guard as like a fullback occasionally, but that's it. Okay. And you'll have the occasional safety that converts to linebacker or vice versa. You'll have the defensive end that'll convert to linebacker, but it's very rare. Baseball, same thing, right? You're a second baseman. We can shift you around. More nice than not, your second baseman. Some of these guys, their role's different. Some nights Giannis has to score in the paint. Sometimes if he has a hot shooting night, he'll take some shots. He'll, he'll take a mid-range or two. Giannis is a killer baseline fadeaway. I, I just, I mean, Kyrie Irving, by the way, Steph Curry. Steph more than Kyrie, but neither really play like point guards. I mean, Steph averages six, seven, eight assists. I mean, he, he dishes the basketball. 
Kyrie, I've always said this about Kyrie. When you know, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets starting lineup here, if you play NBA 2K, remember when they acquired James Harden? And you, if you went to play with the Nets on 2K, it's a PG Kyrie Irving, SG James Harden. I'm like, no, 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 they 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 got this wrong. They need to reverse this. James Harden's the guy who averages double digit assists all the time. Okay, he ever since 2016-17 when Mike D'Antoni became the head coach of the Houston Rockets, James Harden's been playing like a point guard ever since. He's a great scorer. He's a scoring point guard, but he averages 10, 11 assists a game. Kyrie, I don't know if he's averaged more than four or five a season. So I, just the inconsistency of, of, of how they, of how, what the criteria is, is very fascinating to me. And it is a situation where it will indeed miss too many games. Because I'm hearing a lot of people say, why wasn't Anthony Davis a starter over Zion Williamson? Well, because AD has been great, but good Lord, he's missed a lot of games. To my knowledge, I think he's missed more games than Zion has, and Zion's been hurt quite a bit this season. Not to mention, one could argue, I certainly would, that Zion's been better than Anthony Davis when he's played this year. I've always been a Zion guy. But... Man, look, it's going to be interesting. I, I Listen, it's going to be in Utah. Man, I'm looking here. Uh, LeBron James, just <laughs> he tied Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for his 19th All-Star game, which is crazy. Most all-time, he's about to pass Kareem for something else. Uh, something else, too. I, I There's one pundit. I, I'm not going to say his name. You guys are probably going to know who it is when I describe what he said. He's really good at what he does, although I disagree with him more than I agree with him. But he made a point the other day that I'm like, yeah, I think you're right on this. The media has not really covered the whole LeBron chasing Kareem thing. It's been very odd. I don't know if it's so that they don't have to interview Kareem because there's a just, and it's all, it's all forced by Kareem. LeBron had nothing to do with this. But... This sort of weird animosity between uh, Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James due to the, the the record thing. I mean, Kareem has held this record for four decades. I mean, he's, he's always, we've known, since the mid-80s, we've known Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Well, next week, literally next week, he'll no longer be able to say that. long as LeBron stays healthy, knock on wood for him. I just think it's very, like, very odd that it's, I mean, you know, the late great Bill Russell would tell you. Uh, when Kyrie, you know, when Kyrie Irving played Uncle Drew back in the day on those Pepsi commercials, you know, these these young bloods, you know, with these these shoes and all this gear and whatever, it's all about getting buckets. And that's what you know, Bill Russell said. You know, basketball ain't nothing but getting buckets and stopping people from getting buckets. That's basketball. That's how James Naismith, over a hundred years ago, designed the sport. You get you shoot the ball in the hoop, you stop people from shooting the ball in the hoop. There's obviously many, many, you know, complex aspects of it that we talk about all the time, but that's what it is. I I just <laughs> nobody scored more points ever than Kareem, and LeBron's about to pass him. Next week, LeBron will have scored more points than anybody that's ever played in the NBA. That sort of feels like a big deal. Like, if it's it's so weird to me that nobody seems to be talking about this. Maybe it's because the Lakers aren't very good, but we covered Kobe all season long when he was in his last year, despite the fact the Lakers, if it weren't for the 76ers winning like 10 games, literally they won 10 games all season, the Lakers were the worst team in the league that year. Certainly the worst in the West. 
But we covered it because it's like, this is an all-time legend, 18-time All-Star, five-time MVP, one of the greatest players ever, Kobe Bean Bryant, rest in peace. We're, we're going to celebrate him as last year. We, we're not going to, we're barely even going to talk about LeBron. This isn't some old record he's breaking. This is a situation where he's passing a guy to get higher in the all-time scoring list. No, once he passes Kareem, he can't get any higher. He's going to score over 40,000 points in his career when it's all said and done. And we're like, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, who, who's playing tonight? <laughs> this is, I don't know, man. It, it's, it, it's incredible to me. I mean, we, we covered the Russell Westbrook triple-double thing more than we covered this. And with all due respect to Russell Westbrook in that season, well, three and four seasons, where he averaged triple-doubles was highly impressive. Okay, there's a reason that nobody outside of Oscar Robertson up until Russ did that. But we, we've covered that. Heck, and I, guys, you know I love Steph. I'm a Warriors fan till the day I die. I love Steph Curry. He's the reason I fell in love with basketball. We paid more attention to Steph breaking Ray Allen's three-point record than we do LeBron <laughs> breaking the all-time scoring record. I, I don't know, but maybe it's just me. Maybe it's me. People are talking more about like the all-star game and trade deadline and all this. Not that they don't matter, but this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I mean, look, with, with the great scores we have in today's game, the great scores we're going to have in the future, maybe somebody one day will pass LeBron James. But we never thought anybody would pass Kareem. He held the record for four decades, still holds the record as we sit here today. But we viewed it as, oh, nobody's going to get that. Nobody's going nobody's, nobody's to score for you know, 30, whatever, 37, 38,000 points, wherever Kareem's at. That, nobody's going to get that. It, we, we viewed it in the same breath as we did the Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, number one and number two in all-time rebounds. Like, their rebounding numbers are sick. They're like, nobody's going to touch that. Like, it'd be like if an NFL receiver, let's say Justin Jefferson was unbelievable, put up the numbers he put for the next 15 years. Again, the chances of that happening are slim to none because, I mean, it's nothing gets jet, but, you know, that's 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 tough to sustain at the wide receiver position. But let's say Justin Jefferson was amazing for the next 15, 20 years, and he was within range of breaking Jerry Rice's all-time receiving yards record. We'd be like, uh, nobody was going to break Jerry Rice's record. It, 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 it's, 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 we, we look at it as the most unbreakable record in NFL history. We kind of view Kareem's as the same way, or viewed it at least, before LeBron got closer and closer to the point where we're like, okay, LeBron's going to pass him. I don't know, man. This is, it's really interesting. I, listen. Now, I, you know, I'll, I'll go in and say who, who, who suggested that. It's Nick Wright. Okay? And like I said, I, I, I've, you know, I think Nick Wright's one of the best in the business. I think he's, Probably the biggest Warriors hater, I would call him, in the media. But he's still great at what he does, and God knows he's he's the biggest LeBron James fan on earth. But I think he's right. <laughs> it feels like we're very, very, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah LeBron's gonna LeBron's gonna score the most points ever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But it's like I was talking about yesterday with this whole LeBron um chase to to pass Kareem. And I get look, the Lakers are 13th in the West. We understand that. But Okay, where is he at now? Let me let me pull up the numbers. I think he, I think he's 150 points away, but I'm not sure. Uh, let's see how many points. Thank God for Google, right? Okay, uh, all right. LeBron's got thir- 38,000. Okay, he's he's 158 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
158 points away. So, do the math. Four games. I mean, the way LeBron's playing, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, hmm. Four or five games. Here's what scares me, though, folks. Here's what scares me. Lakers are on a road trip. They 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 start. They play tomorrow night. It's national TV game, ABC against their uh, decades-long rival, the Boston Celtics. They play Boston tomorrow night. Then they've got a back-to-back in New York against the Nets and the Knicks. Their next two games are in Indiana and New Orleans. I've got nothing against Indianapolis and New Orleans. Certainly not New Orleans. LeBron can't break the NBA's greatest record against the Pacers or against the Pelicans. He's either got to do it at an iconic venue, Madison Square Garden, which, I mean, look, LeBron would have to go just absolutely insane over the next few games in order to break it at Madison Square Garden. Like, he would literally have to average over 50 points a game. And uh, listen, LeBron, LeBron's the second greatest player ever, maybe, maybe the greatest. That feels like a tall task. To, a- to average over 50 in three games, I'm just saying that that's a lot. Maybe maybe he'll go for it. Maybe, but he's either got to break it in an iconic venue like Madison Square Garden or do it against the Celtics, which obviously he's not going to do. He's not going to score 150, 59 points a game. But in Boston, in New York, heck, even in Miami, it'd be cool if he did it at back at Cleveland, right? Say he broke the record at, on the road. Of course, they've already played the Cavs this year. But say he played on the road at Cleveland and broke it in his old hometown, like that'd be cool. New Orleans, Indiana, and then the other option is break it at home. Lakers home game. Kareem was a, a Laker. That's that's the way to do it. So I'm just again I'm looking at the Lakers schedule. So they'll play the Celtics, and they've got that back to back against the Nets and the Knicks. I know everybody gets pissed off about star players resting on back to backs, particularly on the road. I understand that, but I don't want to see LeBron James's face in either Brooklyn or uh, at Madison Square Garden. In the, in the heart of New York City. I, I, I don't want to see his face in one of those games. I want to ensure he does not break the record against the Pacers or the Pelicans. But again, we will be replaying, hopefully, I don't know, the way the media is covering it, I, I don't know. We But we will be replaying this moment, all the slow-mos and the crowd reactions and everything. There'll be memorabilia from this game. It can't, it can't happen at the GameBridge Fieldhouse or at Smoothie King Center. No. But no, again, it's like I compared it and I, sorry, I, I hate to keep throwing strays in, in Indianapolis. I, I know they probably hate me right now, but uh, I'm, I'm sorry. But when Steph Curry was in the midst of chasing Ray Allen and he went into, I remember it was a Monday game against the Pacers. He was seven threes away from breaking Ray Allen's record. And I mean, how many times have we seen Steph Curry hit seven threes a game? He does that in his sleep. And I was like, oh, Steph, please, please don't hit seven threes. If you hit six, if you want to tie the record, okay, that's fine. But you know who they played the very next night? The Knicks at the Garden. If I mean New York, you can't you can't write it better than that. Spike Lee's in attendance. Tracy Morgan's there. Uh, all all the celebrities are in New York. It's the most iconic venue in the NBA. It's one of the most iconic uh, uh, entertainment venues in America. Like it, it's got to happen at the Garden. It can't happen in Indiana. And thank God Steph only hit like five threes and he hit the two more in, in the garden to break the record. And it was a phenomenal moment. Uh, Bron can't break this record in Indiana. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
It, it can't happen. It, it can't. Again, no disrespect. Patrick Brown. What's up, Patrick? Patrick is a Lakers fan, by the way. He says the plan is when LeBron passes Kareem, it'll be globally televised. Yeah, that. Well, that I mean, like I said, that makes sense. It, it's kind of like, I mean, I remember a few years ago, the Pelicans weren't really that good. But Zion Williamson, who is one of the most hyped up number one picks we've seen probably since LeBron. And, but he missed the first three months due to an injury. But when he was ready to come back, they were play, they were going to play the San Antonio Spurs that night. ESPN, ESPN does a lot of their games on Wednesday night. And that game was on a Wednesday night. They already had their doubleheader in place. They altered it. They literally, they said, we are going to take your team off of national television to put the Pelicans on there. Because we want to see Zion Williamson in his debut. If they did it for Zion, you, you, bet your, you bet everything you got they're going to do it for LeBron. And the next three games are nationally televised for the Lakers. Boston is on ABC. Nets are on NBA TV. Knicks are on TNT. But the next two, uh, I'm sorry, the next three, not, none of them are, are nationally televised. You have to watch. If you don't live in LA, you have to watch an NBA league pass. Because, uh, yeah, Pacers, Pelicans, and Thunder, none of those games are on uh, – None of those games are on national TV. But only, only downside of it, though, the only downside about him breaking it in, in L.A. is it's like a 10 o'clock tip-off. In one of the cases, Thunder is a 10.30 Eastern time tip-off. So it's kind of like, like part of what was great about Steph breaking the record in New York, it was Eastern Standard Time, so you know people weren't in bed. You know, listen, people got to go to work. People got to go to school. They can't, you know, we can't stay up and watch all these games as late as they are. On the East Coast, at least. Uh, so that's the down, only downside of it, but uh, he can't he can't do it in one of those two venues. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, no, I don't have any animosity toward those cities. I don't feel about y'all like I feel about like Cleveland or Philadelphia or something, or like you know, you know, Florida, not the state of Florida. I'm talking about Florida Gators. Nothing against the Pacers. Nothing against the Pelicans. We can't have that. We just, we, we can't, we can't do that. All right, let me get off my soapbox here. Talking too much Lakers. But listen, it's an iconic moment. But I agree, the media isn't covering it all that much. And it's it's weird. I don't, I don't really get it. And the only, the again, the, the, I hate to keep looking at downsides of it because it is an all-time, it will be an all-time great moment. But again, the, the biggest downside by far, and this sucks, y'all. But because there's kind of this animosity toward LeBron and Kareem, it's it's going to be very awkward. Again, I'll compare it to Steph's three-point chase. And that record, obviously, not near as important as the all-time scoring record. But if you if you remember that week leading up to Steph getting closer and closer, Ray Allen was doing all these interviews and all these networks and radio shows and TV and podcasts. Could not have been classier. Could Class personified. He was giving Steph his flowers. He was talking about the other great shooters and yada, yada, yada. Didn't, didn't, you know, assert this, uh, you know, uh, back in my time, we, we weren't allowed to shoot as many threes. He could have easily went that route, but he didn't. Cause he's like, man, this is Steph's mom. This is about Steph. I'm going to be here to support him. What happened? Steph broke the record. They stopped the game. He hugged all his teammates, his family and everything. The crowd gave him a standing ovation. What'd he do? He went cross court and dapped up and gave a big hug to Ray Allen. Like it was a, a, re- a really cool moment. It's just, I'm sure, I'm sure LeBron and Kareem will embrace. I'm sure Kareem will be in attendance. At least I would hope so. But uh, it's just, it's a weird feeling around it. 
because of, and, and for those of you who don't know, Kareem has been very critical of LeBron in the last year. Uh, I, I remember him talking about LeBron wasn't, didn't take a hard enough stance on the vaccine, which as look, as somebody who's a, you know, be totally honest with you guys is somebody who bashed athletes for not taking it because of the fact that they put their team's championship hopes in jeopardy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I didn't see any issue with how LeBron promoted it. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have any issue with how Kareem promoted it. But I also didn't with LeBron's. Uh, at least they took it, in my view. Uh, but, but even worse, th- this was even more petty. Uh, again, I can't keep throwing Indiana in this. Nothing. I got no problems with y'all, Indiana. Please don't make me y'all's enemy. I got no issue with y'all. But the Lakers played a game in Indianapolis last season. And LeBron had a big game. He scored like 40-something points. And he was the game went to overtime. LeBron just took over the game in overtime. And he hit a long Steph Curry range, dagger three, game over. And he he does and it look I I didn't love the celebration but you know it's fun it, you know it's basketball is a game after all LeBron hits the three he runs over to the Lakers bench and he is motioning and doing some kind of dance as if he's uh you know grabbing his private parts to put it nicely and Kareem did an interview and he said that that celebration will forever tarnish LeBron's legacy I'm like Kareem. Come on, man. This now, now you're being petty. Now you're being petty. One celebration in a no, a Wednesday night in November in Indiana is not going to ruin LeBron James's legacy. There are knocks on LeBron's legacy just like there is everybody else. That's not one of them. Like, and that that's it got to that point. I mean, I remember Kareem did an interview. There's a, a new award called the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Award. And uh, Carmelo Anthony, who was, of course, teammates with LeBron last year with the Lakers, Carmelo Anthony won the award. And so Kareem was talking about it. They were interviewing him, and he was, you know, giving Carmelo Anthony his flowers. And unprovoked, he started taking shots at LeBron James. Like, dude, what is up with this guy? Like, I've always, we've always known Kareem to be very, I mean, highly, highly intelligent man. Uh, obviously, one of the pioneers of the civil rights movement in terms of athletes getting involved. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, no, there's no athletes, maybe outside of Bill Russell, at least in the NBA, outside of Bill Russell, there's nobody more deserving of that social justice war being named after than Kareem. Outside of Bill Russell, in my view. I, I, I never saw this. And look, he was he was aloof as a player. He we, No one ever really saw him as a leader. Oscar Robertson was the leader of the Bucks back in the, uh, the, the 70s when they won a championship. Uh, Magic Johnson was the leader of the Showtime Lakers in the 80s. Kareem wasn't. But I don't know. I just, I never saw the side of Kareem. It's very, uh, it's very weird. Yeah, John John says, leave India alone. <laughs> I got I to stop talking about, because every time I bring up an za- example, the Pacers are involved. So again, I got nothing against y'all Indianapolis. I hope you guys don't hire Jeff Saturday to be your new head coach. And it's nothing towards Jeff Saturday, but we saw how bad that was. I don't hate Indianapolis. Please don't lump Indianapolis in with Cleveland. I don't like Cleveland. 
I, I don't like Cleveland. I don't like Gainesville, Florida. Okay? Now, let's, let's, let's stop. But Patrick Brown agreed, Patrick. He says, records are meant to be broken. Kareem just has to accept it. That's, that's the thing. That's, you know, it's, it's cliche, but yeah, I mean, records are meant to be broken. That, that's, that's the great part about records. You know, I, I hope I'm, I'm, I hope I'm around to see the day that a receiver breaks Jerry Rice's record. I mean, that'd be great. So I think it's Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver ever by a mile, but you know, it's, it's cool to see these record records, um, be broken, but, uh oh, whoops. Oh, well, it is what it is. I just hope, I hope, I hope they're able to clear the air. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if maybe they have like a discussion like over the phone, maybe like a private, like, you know, just get LeBron cream into a room, have them maybe talk it out before this happens. I hope so. I, I really do. Cause I, I don't want that. I don't want the, the animosity to taint what's going to be a historic moment in NBA history. By the way, not to mention LeBron, we talk about social justice leaders. I mean, is there anybody in today's NBA? Who's at the front of that and LeBron James? Anybody. There's a lot of guys. Jalen Brown comes to mind, but I don't think anybody uh, has been has carried the torch from guys like Kareem than LeBron James in today's day and age. So that's what makes it, you know, all the more disheartening. All right. So we got conference championship game weekend. We got the NFC championship game. We've got the AFC championship game. And so without further ado, baby, let's uh Let's get this thing going. Let's get the background music on right now, and let's predict these two suckers. All right. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We got the... David Ari, I, I, I think all of us would agree, all season long, the two best teams in the NFC. The San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles in this game are favored minus two and a half. So Vegas is that close to saying it's basically a pick em. Because the home team automatically gets three points. Uh, so this is really interesting. So San Francisco's coming off of their worst offensive game under Brock Purdy. Only scored 19 points last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas played arguably their best defensive game of the season, but definitely could not generate enough offense to win the game. As great as Dallas defense was this past season and has played, it's not Philly. The pass rush is better. They're unquestionably. Philadelphia had 70 you are that right. 70 sacks this season. Brandon Graham had 11 sacks. Hassan Reddick was a big factor. Uh, and, and, you know, at linebacker, he's a great pickup for him. And the secondary is outstanding. Yes, they are missing Avante Maddox. But they've still got Darius Slay. They've still got James Bradbury manning the two-corner position. And they're going to need both of them. They're, again, both guys are number one corners in the NFL. And both guys are going to be facing two number one receivers. Debo Samuel, who's not really a receiver, but they certainly used him in that capacity many times during the game. And Brandon Ayuk, who all he did was lead the 49ers in receiving yards and is one of the most underrated players at his position in the league. You're also going to have to deal with Tra uh, not Travis Kelsey. Uh, I'll get to him later. Uh, with George Kittle, who's the best all-around tight end in the NFL when you factor in his blocking. Uh, this, this game, ultimately, is going to come down to the two quarterbacks because this is easily the most talented conference championship game that we've had in some time. I mean, you look at the you look at the Eagles. All the Pro Bowlers. You've got Jalen Hurts. you got Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith. Uh, the offensive line. Lane Johnson. Defensively, I mentioned Bradbury. Slay. Fletcher Cox. Brandon Graham. Hassan Reddick. Like playmakers 
everywhere. And for the 49ers, same thing. Brock Purdy's playing like a franchise quarterback, which I believe he is. I think he's the answer long-term. Not Jimmy Garoppolo, not Trey Lance. Brock Purdy, sturdy Brock Purdy, as I've called him all season long since he took over. Uh, you've got Christian McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell on most teams, not named the Niners, will be their best running back. He had a good game last week against Dallas. He's explosive and is more of a, a bruiser than McCaffrey is. You've got Debo. You've got Kittle. You've got IU. you got my man out of the University of Tennessee, Jawan Jennings. Trent Williams fans, one of the best offensive lines in the league. Defensively, you've got Nick Bosa. You've got uh, Fred Warner. You've got Drake Greenlaw. You've got, uh, who else is secondary? You've got Ward, Hufunga. I love Hufunga. He's one of my favorite safeties in the league. By the way, both kickers are good. Robbie Gold has never missed a kick in the in his career in the playoffs. He's never missed in the playoffs. Jake Elliott for the Eagles is one of the better kickers. I mean, you got everything. But, but it's, it's an embarrassment of riches right now. And like I talked about in yesterday's show, both conference championship games represent how you can win a Super Bowl. Either you've got a really good quarterback, which I believe both of these teams have, and you surround them with as much talent as possible because they alone can't carry you to a Super Bowl. And then you've got the AFC where it doesn't matter who you put around, Burrow or Mahomes, you could still win a Super Bowl with those guys. Although, if you put the talent around them, they're as dangerous as they are this year. Back to the NFC Championship game. This, to me, comes down to the quarterbacks and the coaches. So I, you guys know what I, how I feel about Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the best. He's one of the two, three, four best coaches in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, what he's done this year, again, working with three quarterbacks. Good quarterbacks. And Jimmy Garoppolo's good. I, I think Trey Lance still has a chance to have a really good career. And now Brock Purdy, who's a rookie. You know you know how I feel about Kyle Shanahan. And as, as much as I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Nick Sirianni, why I've always given him this. And I said this way back when, in week two, against the Minnesota Vikings, when they blew out the Vikings on Monday Night Football. I came out in this show on that Thursday. I said, say what you want about Nick Sirianni. He's got more self-awareness than most coaches have. Most limited coaches like himself have. Right? Not, doesn't call plays for offense. Doesn't call plays for defense. He delegates those responsibilities to the people in charge who know how to do that. Manages the game. There's a lot of coaches that I wish would do that. Nick Sirianni's done it. He understands his role. It's not Kyle Shanahan, but he knows he's not Kyle Shanahan. He's not going to try and be Kyle Shanahan. And the quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate this year, will likely finish second behind Patrick Mahomes. Had a remarkable season. And Brock Purdy, who, you know, hasn't lost a start since he took over in mid-December for the 49ers. And I believe is the answer long-term for, uh, for San Francisco. I would be genuinely shocked if this isn't a close game. What I think we're going to get, though, guys, I talked about this as one of the most talented conference championship games we've ever seen. It's also going to be one of the most physical. Both of these defense hit you in the mouth. Both of these offenses have a smash-mouth mentality. Don't expect a shootout. I'm just, I'll just put it that way. Don't expect there to be a ton of points put on the board in Philadelphia. To my knowledge, the weather isn't going to be a big factor, which is great. You know, it's going to be cold, obviously. It's Philadelphia in January. But as far as no rain, snow, none of that's going to be an issue. It comes down the wire. It's close. But ultimately, what I think decides this sucker is history. History decides this game. What, what, what do you mean by that, Bryce? Well, you guys know how I feel about Brock Purdy. I love him. I love the kid. Sturdy Brock Purdy. 
no rookie has ever in the 57-year history, or up to this point, 56-year history of the Super Bowl, no rookie quarterback has ever led the team to the Super Bowl. I do not think that continues. I think Jalen Hurts makes a couple more plays than Brock Purdy. I think this is his first game where he truly gets overwhelmed. The Cowboys provided the blueprint. I think the Eagles take advantage. Philadelphia wins the NFC Championship game by a final score of 21-17. to They cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. As much, even as a former Cowboys fan, it still sickens me to say the Philadelphia Eagles will represent the NFC in Super Bowl 57 in 16 days. Philadelphia beat San Francisco 21 to 17 to advance to their second Super Bowl in the last half decade. Eagles over the Niners. Got a few comments here before I get to my next game. Uh, let us see. <laughs> Once again, Patrick Brown brings out the Heath Ledger comment or the Heath Ledger quotes from The Dark Knight when the late great Heath Ledger once played the Joker. Here we go. There you go. John John's calling already. He says Philadelphia versus Cincinnati. Uh, John John says you're going to pick San Francisco as your new team. They're in the mix. They are in the mix, John Rivera. Make no mistake about it. And I, again, if they win the Super Bowl, they're out. I'm not going to be a bandwagon fan. I'm not going to do that. But you guys know how much I've always respected San Francisco. I just don't think they have enough to get it done in Philadelphia. Philadelphia looks like they've got their mojo back from October. Uh, Patrick Brown says the Denver Broncos are kicking themselves. Every year Kyle Shanahan makes a deep playoff run. What could have been if they'd hired him? And again, Denver's historically been a well-run organization. They'd had Kyle Shanahan. Man, a lot of their problems that they have today would have been fixed a long time ago. Instead, 49ers, not to mention John Lynch, who's one of the best general managers in the league, as well as one of the greatest players of all time because he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So hats off to the Niners. I may pick them. I may not pick them. I don't know. They're in the they're in the rent mix. No question along with the Titans, the Ravens, and the Steelers, the Panthers, and all these teams. Chargers, Rams, Seahawks. I feel like the the, the, the grandma during uh, Thanksgiving. You know, you know, they always show that cheese, uh, cheese, greens, tomatoes, ham. You know, yeah, that's what I feel like right now. All right, the game that I'm really looking forward to. Because this is this is as good as it gets when we talk about quarterback matchups. It's as good as it gets. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, in the AFC Championship game. Kansas City, as we sit here today, is a one-point favorite, but it's been going back and forth. Earlier in the week, it was Cincinnati minus one. Now it's Kansas City minus one. Don't be shocked if it goes back to Cincinnati, depending on injury news and whatnot. I say I'm so excited about this because I, I love quarterbacks. I love quarterbacks, and these are the two best in the world. There's no argument. These are the two. These, these, are, these guys are the gold standard in 2023 NFL football of how to play the quarterback position. You've got the playmaker who can make something out of nothing, who it might as well be Houdini in disguise as an NFL quarterback. His name is Patrick Mahomes, and he is going to win his second MVP in about a week. He got Joe Burrow on the other hand. Cool. They call him Joe Cool, like they called Joe Montana back in the 80s. You know, very poised. Not, not the playmaker that Patrick Mahomes is, but Lord have mercy, that dude is accurate. Moves well in the pocket and has changed the identity of the Cincinnati Bengals. We don't even view them the same as we did a year and a half ago. That's what he's done. The two best in the league. Not to mention these two rosters are excellent as well. Kansas City's obviously got Travis Kelsey offensively. Uh, I do like Isaiah Pacheco, the running back they have. 
Uh, Andy Reid, we know ever since he left Philadelphia, has not been one to really commit to the run, especially when he got Patrick Mahomes now. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm better off Mahomes making a play out of, no- uh, out of nothing than Isaiah Pacheco running the ball for five, six yards, maybe 10 yards. But you'll see what happens in that regard. Kansas City's offensive line has played well. Shout out to, again, another Tennessee guy, Trey Smith. Love to see him do what he's doing. Steal of the 2021 draft, no question about it. Great offensive line with Creed Humphrey. Kansas City's done a good job protecting Mahomes all season. Not a great receiving core after losing Tyree Kill. Miko Hardman's been injured. Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't been what we quite thought he'd be. Defensively, can't look. Kansas City's top three in the NFL, at least going into the playoffs, they were in sacks. Chris Jones is up for Defensive Player of the Year, although that will go to Nick Bosa of the 49ers. Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in the NFL whose name is not Aaron Donald. He is outstanding. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. Willie Gay is a solid linebacker. Defensively, the secondary, while they do have some limitations, they make plays and they absolutely have to for the most part, and they have during the five-year run under Mahomes and Reed. Not to mention Andy Reid, by the way, who I think is the best coach in the NFL. As for Cincinnati, we know the playmakers they have. Joe Mixon, one of the best running backs in the league. Jamar Chase, one of the three or four best receivers in the league. You've got T. Higgins, one of the best jump ball guys in the NFL. Tyler Boyd, one of the best slot receivers, if not the best slot receiver in the NFL, at least not named Hunter Renfro. Hayden Hurst, who got announced today, he's going to play. I think he's dealing with a calf injury, if I'm not mistaken, but he's going to suit up and play, which is huge. He's been Joe Burrow's security blanket all season long. Defensively, you've got uh, Mike Hilton in the secondary. Jesse Bates has been really good for him. And then in the in, in the uh, in the front four, you've got Sam Hubbard. You've got DJ Reader. You've got some serious playmakers on that defensive side of the ball for Cincinnati. A defense that I keep, call- I keep telling y'all, we got to start giving them credit where it's deserved. Because they are one of the best defenses in the NFL, and we barely talk about them. Some of that's because of Burrow and Chase and now all the playmakers they got offensively. But we got to give them credit where it's due. And their defense coordinator as well. I, I can't really pronounce his name. The guy is unbelievable. And Zach Taylor's done a good job as well. Uh, here's what's interesting. So you've got the Mahomes injury aspect of it, right? He's got a hurt ankle. Uh, although, again, something that's worth pointing out, as I talked about yesterday... We've seen a lot of practice tape. We've even seen tape of Mahomes just walking around the facility. I don't see a limp, which is shocking considering how bad it looked on Saturday. Duke could, like, barely walk for the time being, much less move around the pocket and make plays. He gutted it out because that's the type of competitor that he is. But it, it was concerning there for a while. I still think that will play factor in this AFC Championship game, though I do think his ankle is healthier than it was when it got injured last week. Here's what's interesting. Cincinnati's coming in, and folks, I think they're the better team. I, I, honest to God, I think top to bottom, they're the better team. Um, and Zach Taylor's been, done a better job than, uh, than I thought he would. What I find fascinating is there's almost a, almost a Warriors-Grizzlies feel to this. Is Kansas City a dynasty? No, they're not. They've won one Super Bowl. They're not a dynasty. But certainly they have the capabilities to do so, and they have accomplished more in the last few years than the Cincinnati Bengals have. Um, unless your name is Joe Burrow, uh, everybody in Cincinnati keeps talking. As a matter of fact, I saw was that the mayor of Cincinnati said he wanted to get a, uh, a DNA test or something of Joe Burrow's dad. Or I'm not Joe Burrow's dad. See if Joe Burrow was uh, Patrick Mahomes' dad. It's like, okay. And you got 
You got uh, Bengals players calling Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead Stadium because he won there. They won there in the AFC Championship game last year. Obviously, this is the rematch from the game a year ago. Kansas City ain't saying a word whatsoever. Holmes ain't saying nothing. Travis Kelsey didn't said he didn't like it. Willie Gay made a comment, but most of that, Kansas City has been very quiet throughout this entire process. A Warriors-Grizzlies feel to it is what it reminds me of. To all the Kansas City fans out there, and Kansas City is an unbelievable fan base. That's Cincinnati, by the way. But to all the Kansas City Chiefs fans out there, take it from a Golden State Warriors fan. Relish this. Enjoy it. When you're the underdog, despite what you have accomplished, and you got one team just because they beat you one time in the playoffs, relish it. Joe Burrow is obviously 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. We know that. He beat him not once, not twice, but three times in the calendar year that was known as 2022. But they're 0-0 in 2023. I do not think the, the Mahomes ankle will be a factor. I think it comes down the wire. And Patrick freaking Mahomes leads the game-winning drive. Harrison Butker hits the walk-off field goal. And the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Cincinnati Bengals by a final score of 29-27. They advance to Super Bowl 57. We're going to get Eagles out of the, AF, the NFC and the Chiefs out of the NFC. That is what I believe will happen. By the way, I'm hoping to rebound from what was a terrible divisional weekend, prediction-wise. I was 1-3, and three, and I was 0-4 against the spread. It was, just, it was a terrible week. That's why I'm, I'm going to save. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an if I were a bet man for the Super Bowl. I'm going to have that. Uh, I'm not having it for this week. I just want to enjoy the conference championship games. I just need to rebound from this. I, 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 I had a bad week last week. But well, all that matters, again, would I be shocked with the Niners or a Bengals win? Absolutely not. Both teams are more than talented enough to do so, to go win on the road. But I think the two one seeds, the two home teams, get it done. And we will be in for a very entertaining Super Bowl. Two great offenses. Philadelphia has the advantage defensively over Kansas City. But listen, you saw against the number one defensive league what the Chiefs did to the 49ers. All they did was drop 44 on their heads on the road in Santa Clara. So that's where we're going to get. That's where we're going to get. All right. Uh, Patrick Brown, I'm taking the Niners. I hate Philly with a passion. Niners 24-20 with a Robbie Gold how Robbie Gold walk off field goal? Well, twenty. Are you sure? Because Robbie Gold couldn't hit a walk off field goal in a twenty four to twenty game. Because you mean twenty three twenty? I don't. know. I mean, look, like I said, wouldn't be shocked if the Niners win. By the way, at all, because uh, I think they're most talented team in the NFL. I, I honestly, God, I really do. I just think Philly's gonna have the game plan. And I think as much as like like Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts is ready for this moment. Brock, not quite yet. For the record, no rookies ever led their team to the Super Bowl. The two greatest rookie seasons by a quarterback ever were Ben Roethlisberger in 2004 and Dak Prescott in 2016. Neither led their teams to the Super Bowl. And if I'm not mistaken, I think both were the number one seed. I don't know. I don't know if the Steelers were. I know the Cowboys were. I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh was in 04. Pittsburgh lost to New England in the AFC Championship game, and Dallas lost to Green Bay. Tell me if you've heard that one before in the divisional round. So yeah, there you go. Patrick says for the AFC championship game, he says AFC title game will be the winner of ratings this weekend. I've got the Chiefs, but wouldn't be surprised Cincinnati if Cincinnati does it again. 
again, I, I think the revenge aspect really does play factor. I think if you are if you're Kansas City and you've all season long since the offseason, you've been hearing about how this team's better than you. Buffalo's better, and the Raiders are going to be better than you, and the Chargers and the Broncos, which I stupidly thought. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's going to be better than you, and maybe Baltimore will make a solid run. You've been hearing that all offseason long, all season long. That gets old after a while. Again, take it from a fan of the team that won last year's NBA Finals. If I had a penny for every day, or every time, rather, that I heard about the Warriors dynasty was done and this team was better and this team was better, I'd be rich because it got old. Yeah, Patrick Brown says 23-29 or is my bad bro. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, 23 I could, that That's a reasonable final score because, again, I, I think this is going to be – I'm praying for these players to stay healthy. I'm, I'm not even kidding. This is going, I'm not saying there's going to be like a bounty on anybody. I'm not ensuing that at all. Uh, but uh, these are two hit-you-in-the-mouth type teams, the Niners and the Eagles. This will be a very fascinating and a very fun NFC Championship game. I, again, I think both games are close. The fact that the biggest favor of the weekend is Philadelphia by two and a half points says everything that you need to know. Here we go. I can't wait. Like, like I said, like Keith Ledger said, like Patrick Brown brought up, here we go. Here we go. The NFC Championship game followed by the AFC Championship game on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. With that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday to react to both conference championship games at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Be sure to also catch Carving It Up Live uh, uh, on the YouTube channel as well. Like, share, comment. Take two seconds, out of your, two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And also be sure to go subscribe to the podcast network that I'm a part of, The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Network on YouTube. It's also where you can listen to my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can find Patrick's show, by the way, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. Shout out to Patrick. Barry Grant Jr., All Even Podcast. Ryan Flowers. Happy birthday, by the way, Ryan Flowers. Clutch Sports Talk. I, I ain't going to say his age. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm a good friend. I'm not going to do that to Ryan Flowers. Okay, but happy birthday to Ryan. Seriously, shout out to you, man. Uh, but catch his show, Clutch Sports Talk. He's made a lot of great videos lately. Um, who else we got? Alfred Parsar Jr. Again, I mentioned earlier, he's putting out great content on the grid. His Jets videos. Check his stuff out. The Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. The Cowboys Can Fan podcast. Again, I know those guys are in you know mourning over what happened uh, last week against San Francisco. All Cowboys Nation is. Uh, listen, as a former fan, I, I, I know what that pain feels like. And because I know it's like, I truly sympathize with, uh, with, with those guys and all Cowboys Nation. But man, Cowboys Can Fan, they... they yeah, the, the great show. Please go check their stuff out. And even though it's the off season, best believe they're still putting out cons. They're still doing lives. And uh, as those guys would say, crack them if you got them. All right, have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Here we go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.